You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hey everyone, it's Paige, your favorite nutrition podcaster and dietitian. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. This podcast relies on the support of listeners like you and needs donations to keep this project running. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at pagesmathersrd.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app, search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Paige Smathers RD if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige Smathers, and I am your host. And as always, I'm really excited about sharing this particular conversation with you all today. So Today, I am sharing my conversation that I had with Meredith Noble. Meredith is a coach who works with plus-size people, incorporating ideas of the health at every size and the intuitive eating models into helping people heal their relationship with food. Um, She has a particular interest and expertise in the arena of resiliency, and it's so fun to hear her talk about that as well as her just really interesting approach to to health and the, the idea of health at every size. So today in this conversation, I sit down with Meredith and we talk all about health at every size. We ask some of the burning questions that I know a lot of you might have about it. If you've ever wrestled with the idea of health at every size, maybe you're a little bit confused about what it is and what it isn't. Maybe there's elements of it that you love, but elements of it that that are hard for you to understand. This episode is for you. So Meredith and I kind of tackle the things that we hear most often in the responses people give about the paradigm of health at every size. So we ask the tough questions and kind of don't don't even hold back in in responding honestly and truthfully and um, candidly in regards to this really important idea of health at every size. So I'm really super excited that I was able to have Meredith on the show. We were able to be um, honest and candid in our in our back and forth with each other. And I just, I really appreciated that about her. And I just, I learned a lot from this conversation myself. So before we get into that, just a couple things. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast, you're More than welcome to join us in the Nutrition Matters podcast community on Facebook, where we have a bit more of an intimate setting. Sometimes I pop in there and uh, do Facebook Live and just connect with you that way. Also discussing episodes and, uh, you know, having a community of like-minded people can always be kind of fun. So join us there if you'd like to. And, um, and also if you'd like what you hear on the podcast and want to take things a little bit further with healing your relationship with food, you're always welcome to join my online course, which you can find at pagesmathersrd.com slash course. And this is an online course. It's 10 weeks long. And, you know, instead of one giant leap of faith into intuitive eating, um, it's, it's sort of helping you take some stepping stones along the way to get there. And this course has been a lot of fun. People have, have had such great 
responses to it. It's been it's been really, really great so far. So if you're at all curious, uh, I would just encourage you to check it out, see if it might be a good fit for you. And if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out to see um, if we can have, have a chat and see if it's a good fit for you as well. So with that, let's get into talking with Meredith Noble, again, a coach who helps plus-size people find peace with food, incorporating ideas of health at every size, as well as intuitive eating. Um, also, also from a feminist perspective, as well as a fat accept- acceptance and um, social justice perspective as well. So enjoy this episode. Feel free to reach out and let me know what you think of it um, in the Facebook group if you'd like. All right, let's listen to Meredith. Welcome, Meredith Noble, to Nutrition Matters Podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. So let's go ahead and just kind of start with some of the basics, get to know you a little bit, tell people about um, how you got into this line of work originally and initially. Yeah, I came through quite a different path than a lot of others who do this work. Um, So I... um, I came to it through personal experience, really. I've struggled with my weight since probably age 13 or so. And, um, you know, I never really dieted, but I uh, did kind of watch what I ate. And eventually what happened was in my mid-20s, a doctor said, you need to lose weight for your health. And she said, "Um, Weight Watchers is the only way I know of to do that safely. And she said, go off to Weight Watchers and lose weight. Um, And that was really the first time I was like, oh my God, I really need to do something about this. Until then, it was just more like, oh God, I'm I'm plus size and that's uncomfortable and people judge people for being plus size. So I, I dutifully went off to Weight Watchers and I lost a bunch of weight and I thought all was well and good, but the closer I got to my goal weight, the more uh, I started having these really uncontrollable cravings. And I ended up experiencing like severe binging problems at that point. I, um, I would, you know, quote unquote, eat well all day. And then at night, I would just lose control. And it was this massive source of shame for me. I hid it from everyone I knew from Can my I partner. Can I ask about that a little bit? The... This is such a common thing that I see where you, you know, we're using air quotes, people can't see us, but where you're eating (laughs) well all day, which kind of translates to hardly anything, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then at at night, you're, you're surprised and shocked, like, whoa, why am I feeling out of control around food? Why do I just feel like I cannot stop? And why does one thing just lead to another? Did you did you understand the dynamic of like maybe I'm just not feeding myself enough throughout the day or how did you internalize that when that was going on because that's kind of scary yeah, for people. Yeah, I didn't I didn't that thought never occurred to me. <laughs> I was just like, well, this is what my doctor told me to do and therefore like the problem is me. The problem is not the diet. I I don't have enough willpower. I'm not trying hard enough. It never occurred to me that it was because I wasn't eating enough. Um, And that was the source of the shame because I saw all these other people succeeding and no one was talking about this. No one was talking about this as a possible side effect. And so I just kept it so hidden because it just felt, it felt like it was marking me as a weak person in some way. 
And like I said, like I didn't even tell my partner, like I would have, I would have like a drawer of candy in my desk and I would, um, he would come into the room and I would shove things down and hide them. Um, and I would, I would binge, I, I, if I didn't have anything in the house, I would binge on just whatever was available. It was like, oh, there's Cheerios. Okay. I'm going to binge on Cheerios. So before the diet, before Weight Watchers, did you, did you have a binging? situation happen with you no okay. I didn't yeah it was completely the diet that did it to me and so my case. Yeah. I know and this is this is like such a common story right where you're like trying to be so quote-unquote good and do what you're told to do and next thing you know you feel even more out of control around food you have more issues than you did before you even started and mm-hmm. now you're feeling like I can't trust myself. I'm ashamed of myself. I have no confidence. And then for a lot of people, what that does is it just makes them think, well, I need more rules. I need more boundaries. And then it only brings you further and further down that rabbit hole. Totally. I ended up hiring a personal trainer and I would be in the gym for like, you know, many hours at a time, like more than one should be there. Um, and I remember thinking for a while, like, thank goodness I'm working out so hard because if not, I'd be putting on weight with all these extra binges I'm doing. Um, yeah. And you never connected those binges to, to dieting. No, I know. Like now that I look back, I'm like, Oh God, how was that? (laughs) I I even got to, I, I felt I got to the point where I was so out of control. This was just to be clear, this was probably like 12 ish years ago before a lot, like before people started talking a lot more openly about this stuff. But I ended up going to a a therapist and he, he brought up the idea that like sometimes people do this because they're not eating enough. Do you think that's a possibility? And I was like, no, no. How could that possibly be a possibility? Cause this is what I'm being told to eat, you know, and this is, you know, basically medically supervised at least that was sort of how I perceived it and I just remember completely dismissing it and he didn't he didn't go any further than that he he was also really stuck on like okay let's let's do cognitive behavioral therapy and and try to you know heal your emotions and all these things um and later on basically as soon as I stopped restricting (laughs) both um you know, in terms of physically restricting as in not letting myself eating food, eat food, um, but also emotionally restricting as in feeling guilty about the food. As soon as all that stopped, the binging went away. Oh, I love that distinction. And I've, I've definitely thought about that too, where sometimes people are not really physically restricting their food, but they have a mindset that's so restrictive that it's no different, right? It's like, it's, it's the same, whether you're actually succeeding, quote unquote, with not eating that, those foods that you're restricting, but some people end up overeating, eating more than they ever would, would want to with that food. But then they're still in that mindset, which is just as dangerous. Yeah. leads to just as, you know, let's see, what am I trying to say? leads to just as um, risky of behaviors and, and, and a chaos with food. Yeah. And unhappiness and shame. Right. All of that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah perfect. Like I was, I was still miserable. Like I reached a point many, like basically what happened was eventually I realized, okay, Weight Watchers is not good for me. This is not good. They're making me do all these things that are not good for me. And then I was like, Oh, I'll just eat clean and eat whole foods. And I just went through this whole litany of coaches and programs. Um, and eventually I, 
I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I got to the point where I was eating whatever I wanted. Um, but I was still binging and that the key was the emotional restriction because I was still feeling bad about, uh, the choices I was making, even though I was technically letting myself eat anything I wanted. So that's interesting. So you did experience both where you were physically restricting and emotionally restricting. And then once the physical restriction, you, you gave that up, you still had some work to do with the emotional restricting side. Yeah. Yeah. How did you and do thank, that? Thankfully, that was when I discovered the concept of health at every size. And like, I just feel so tremendously grateful that I came upon this paradigm because um, you know, I worked with some really wonderful people in the field and they taught me about emotional restriction and, um, and the concept of creating full allowance, you know, letting yourself eat everything, but also feeling good about those choices and not feeling guilty about them. And, and that was, that was when it was like, oh my God, why doesn't everyone know this? I started eating intuitively and it was just so profoundly life-changing for me. Um, I was so primed for it. I was so ready for it that it was just like, once I learned like those very, very basic concepts, like all the diamond, all the, um, dominoes toppled and it was like, oh my God, like this is, this is it. So tell me, I'm really curious to hear what you mean by I was primed and ready for it because maybe someone listening, you know, is, is wondering, oh, am I ready for that? Like, what do I need to do to be ready if I'm not al already ready? <laughs> yeah, no, I love that question. Thank you for asking that. I think that's a really good point. The, the reason I was ready at the time was because I had already kind of reached the point of like, okay, diets are not working for me. <laughs> and I was very aware that like all the things I tried were just making me miserable. And I was, I was ready and looking for that, um, but for that solution that didn't involve dieting in some way. Um, and personally at the time I felt, I was like, okay, you know, actually this is all about my emotions. I just need to like, you know, process my emotions and then I won't eat emotionally and I won't binge anymore. Um, but so, and which was mistaken, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I assume once I discovered health at every size, I realized that wasn't true. Um, but, but basically I was already at that point where I was like, okay, what I'm doing is not working. And I, I in so the like book diet rock bottom. Exactly. In the book intuitive eating, oh, that's that what, what say? Evelyn and Elise say is <laughs> like diet bottom basically. Yeah. And that was pretty much where I was. And it's, I don't believe that people, you know, necessarily have to be exactly there. But I think people it before health at every size is such a countercultural paradigm that um, you have to, I, it's very helpful if you can have perspective on your own experience saying like, this hasn't been working, and I'm ready to try something that's really different. Yeah, I think I, I noticed that too, with my clients, the ones that sort of are 100% convinced, like, Diets do not work. They send me to places that I don't want to be. Um, those are the are the people that I see as being ready to hear some of these things that are so countercultural that can be really difficult to hear. Uh, yeah. The ones that that sort of have this idea of like, well, but maybe like my neighbor tried X thing and and that that worked. Like when when you have that thought in your mind of like, oh, I don't I don't know. Maybe diets do work. I think it's very hard to do this whole thing of like, okay, I'm going to trust my body to yeah. be the right body when I treat it the way that 
it's right to treat it, you know, like the way that's best for me. If I take good care of my body through all different aspects of health, just trusting that it will communicate and that it will um, look and be and feel and everything the right way for your you and your own body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not that there's no room for ambivalence. I'm sure you have people who are super ambivalent all the time and yeah, can, that's true. and can, you know, help them along this path. And, you know, even when I started, like, I still in the back of my mind, you know, one of my former coaches was doing this new thing. And I remember, working with my intuitive eating coach saying like, what do you think about what this lady is doing? Do you think maybe that's the secret? And we actually like had a session where we kind of went through and kind of debunked all of the claims that this other person was saying would, would lead to thinness. And so, you know, there's, there's room for some, for, for all of that, you know, and I definitely understand the ambivalence. It's just helpful. It's helpful if you're closer to, to realizing that these diets are working for you. And and another thing that's popping up in my mind is that I've seen a lot of people feel very angry when they realize all of their best efforts and all the things that they've been told um, from various people within maybe their their lives, whether it's their doctor, their their parents, whatever it might be, when they realize that all of that's just actually perpetuating Mm -hmm. unhealthiness, I guess, to, I mean, Unhealthiness, not meaning size, just like an unhealthy relationship with food, an unhealthy um, mindset, unhealthy mental status as well. Mm-hmm. When you realize that, that can that can really make some people angry. And I, I totally get that. But what I'm hearing you say, Meredith, uh, I think that this is a really cool point is maybe there's purpose to all of those experiences you've had. Yeah. To just prove, you, prove to you okay, this isn't going to work. Here's an analogy I have. I love analogies. So (laughs) I was kind of grateful that I had a terrible time dating. Like I just, I really didn't enjoy dating at all. I like, I had, I dated a lot of jerk people. And um, once I got married, I realized that that was actually kind of good because I don't look back and think, oh, I wish I could be dating. That was so much fun. It's like, I'm really grateful (laughs) that I'm not doing that right and so i don't know if that makes any sense or if that matters but that's just kind of how i think about it it's like it's it's it gives purpose and meaning to all of your experiences to send you in this place where you really are sure or maybe yeah like you said a touch of ambivalence but you're you're pretty convinced that dieting isn't really where you want to be yeah no i love that analogy that's absolutely it like i think all of our experiences lead us to a certain point in time and And I discovered health at every size at exactly the right moment for me. And some people may discover it and then, you know, want to try a few other things first and then eventually come back to it. But that seed's been planted at the very least. And they'll they'll come to it, you know, um, when when the time is right for them and when they when they feel fully convinced. Yeah. So so health at every size. Uh, I think has a lot of misconceptions. I've done, I've done uh, an entire episode on it, but maybe some people haven't listened, and maybe this is someone's first time ever hearing that term. So just in case it is, let's let's. I would love to hear your kind of take on what that means for you when you say I discovered health at every size. What does that mean to you, and um, how do you apply it into your life? Yeah. Um, so. I think of health at every size, there's many different components to it. And, 
and I think a lot of people just look at the name and think like, oh, are they trying to say that everyone can be healthy no matter what their size? Um, so health at every size to me is a compassionate approach to well-being, and it it uses um, many different principles. Like one of the which is that we can't tell someone's uh, health status by looking at the size of their body, and that just because you are in a larger body doesn't mean you are necessarily unwell or destined for for um, for health complications. It's also a social justice movement in, and it advocates that um, that everyone, regardless of body size, is worthy of of respect and dignity takes a new look on on weight science and acknowledges the bias that's inherent in a lot of weight science and um, and actually says you know when you look when you when you look a little more closely at this data it's not as um, conclusively showing that that weight is is necessarily uh, you know always bad for you <laughs> um, so the way I look it, it for me, it also encompasses the concepts of um, tuning into your body and that your body can guide the way um, both in with regards to guiding you towards um, a way of eating that, you know, I, I use the, the concept of intuitive eating and tuning into your body's intuition to help you figure out what to eat and when and in what amounts. And also the concept of joyful movement and tuning into your body and helping it guide the way, um, like how you move your body and, and in what amounts and when and all of those things as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's multifaceted, I guess I would say. But um, does that mesh with, with uh, how you define it? Yeah, totally. I, I love everything you've said. I think that uh, one thing I would add is, and this is how I explain it to some of my clients so that they, I feel like this resonates well with a lot of people. The idea that, you know, you don't have to wait. And I mean, W-A-I-T. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to wait until a certain number on the scale to all of a sudden say, okay, good, I've arrived at health. Like that's, that's so, there's so many flaws in that logic. The idea of you can adopt behaviors and patterns in your life that are healthy, no matter what your size is. And, and, and today you can do that today. You don't have to wait till some other size or some other number on the scale. Um, and so I think it's just a really powerful kind of weight neutral approach to to health that again encompasses compassionate it's a compassionate approach but it's also it has a social social justice aspect to it which I think is really important I think a lot of people don't um, recognize that that's a really important part of health at every size is the fact that you know people in larger bodies are not treated the way that they should be treated, you know, yes. Um, yes. In, in the medical community, I mean, with jobs, with, I mean, there's all kinds of research supporting the fact that, um, that there's inequity there and that it's, it's just a prejudice that we really don't um, talk about as much as some other ones. Yeah. Um, but it's important. Yeah. So. And I, fo I focus on helping plus size people um, in my practice um, because, for that exact reason, I feel like um, more emphasis needs to be put on the experience, or to be put on the experience of people in larger bodies, plus size people slash fat people. I use the word um, 
fat all the time as a um, as simply a descriptor, right. um, and and I, I yeah I agree. It's a to me that is like this is this is health at every size, and we're including everyone in the spectrum from the smallest people to the biggest people in our society, and it can help everyone. Yes, and it's I think fundamentally it's just it's just saying hey. There's more to health than the number on the scale. And let's pursue true holistic. I know that's kind of a tricky word, but holistic just meaning from lots of different angles and every aspect of who you are as a human being. Let's pursue health with that and not just say, oh, it's all about, you know, the number on the scale, because that's just missing so much of what's important about health. Yeah, I mean, just going back to my story as an example, right? Like, according to some people, when I was in my smallest body, like, that was like the peak of my health, but I was emotionally miserable. I was also socially unwell. I wouldn't go out to eat with people. I, you know, I couldn't go out and share an appetizer with my husband because I was worried about, you know, how many points that was going to take away from my daily total, things like that. So, like, even if you, even if I was, you know, physically healthy, um, there were other parts. If you look at health as um, as as multidimensional, including um, emotional and social and spiritual health, etc. Um, I, I was, I was not well. I was that not well. is that is such an important point that I I often actually draw a picture for my clients where I draw a circle. And then we draw little fractions and we kind of write like what what parts of your life help you feel well, right? Like getting a good night's sleep, drinking enough water, um, having people to hang out with, having a social life, um, you know, nutrition, balanced nutrition, whatever that means, you know, different people, different, different, do that differently. Um, moving my body, you know, just kind of mentioning what are all the aspects of your life that make you feel whole and well. And visually, it's important to kind of understand and see that like, okay, nutrition is important, but it's like this little like slice of that fraction, that pie chart. And it's a fraction, or it's a fraction of the pie chart is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, when it's ironic, because when people pursue health, they typically say, okay, I need to eat a certain way and I need to exercise a certain way. And what's ironic is those pieces of the of the pie chart become so big that yes. they take over other aspects of what make you feel whole and well, right? So this is what you're describing. So when you pursue health in quotes and you say, okay, I need to do this nutrition thing and I do need to do this exercise thing, but then all of a sudden you don't have time to get an adequate night's sleep or you don't, um, you don't feel comfortable or able to go out and, and socialize, you're not your whole healthy self. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. That's exactly it. So, yeah, I think that's that's another important concept of of this paradigm that really tends to resonate well with people to help them understand that, you know, it's there's just more to health than, you know, one little facet of it that, yeah, we can look at that, I guess, if you want to. And we can add that into the picture. But let's let's take a holistic view of it and kind of zoom out on the big picture of what makes you whole and well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I even tend, even though, you know, the word health is in health at every size, I tend to use the word well being, because I feel like it, um, it connotes that 
comfort and contentment in, in one's being in one's life that I feel like, um, you know, if we re if we kind of reclaim the word health and, you know, it, it can include those things, but there's so many connotations currently that I just kind of, I've kind of moved away from, from that word. Oh, for I most totally part. understand where you're coming yeah. from with that. I actually yeah. just wrote an article about that very thing. Like what does the word health actually mean? Because um, it's so overused and misused that it's kind of doesn't mean anything anymore. Right. Yeah. We don't really understand the true meaning. So yeah, well-being, that's another, that's a really good word for it. Yeah. Because I also think health can sometimes be taken, like health is not the absence of disease, <laughs> you know, like you, you can, you can pursue health at every size and, and have chronic illness or, um, <clears throat> or be disabled in some way, or, you know, have all these other issues. Like it's, it's not meant to say that everyone needs to be healthy at all costs. It's saying, you know, it's saying that health is a resource health is, you know, that there are ways to think about health, um, that, that aren't, it's taking the morals out of health, basically. Mm. Like, you know, health That's is, is you know, pursuing health is an option you have, but um, you don't, you know, it's not like you you don't have access to it if you have a chronic illness or something like that. Yeah, it, it can be really, really healthist and ableist. Point. Yeah. That's a really good, that's that. a great point to bring up. Thank you for that. So, so you, what I'm hearing is you, um, you had this whole journey with, with doctors and, and uh, Weight Watchers and all this stuff. And finally, at the right moment in time, it was like, oh, this other way of doing things. <laughs> um, and so what so tell us about like what you do these days. Um, yeah, with with your stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to complete that story, I, I basically, I've been working in technology for 12 ish years at that point. And I was speaking of, you know, well-rounded health, uh, health or well-being. Um, I was not experiencing, I was, I was under a lot of stress and basically burned out at my tech job. And this happened to coincide with me discovering health at every size. And I gained this, this new perspective, uh, this holistic perspective of health. And, um, I got up the courage to quit my job and take, uh, some time off. And then while I was in the middle of taking time off, I realized, you know, more people need to know about this concept. And at, at that point, I basically said, okay, I'm changing careers. I'm going to leave tech. It's not healthy for me. Uh, I don't think it's healthy for a lot of people. <laughs> um, and, and I started pursuing, um, yeah, how to be a health at every size practitioner and ha not having dietetics training. I decided to become a coach. And uh, as I mentioned before, I chose to focus on helping plus size people just because that's what I identify as. And um, as I said before, I feel like plus size people um, have, they have unique needs and experiences with regards to um, body acceptance and, um, and social stigma. Talk about some of those unique needs and, and maybe some of them. I'd love to hear kind of what what you commonly hear come up for the people that you work with and maybe some things that you have found really effective in helping people move forward. Yeah, yeah I, think, um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is acknowledging 
the more I got into doing this work, the more evident it became that um, plus size people, until our culture changes, plus size people are still going to be cha- uh, be facing stigmatization and discrimination out in the world. Um, so it's it's a little different coaching them because the their experiences of sizeism and fat phobia are real. Um, whereas what what happens with smaller people is um, they're they're not facing that ongoing discrimination. So it's about helping them heal their own internalized fat phobia, helping them um, you know realize that their body is great as it is. But at the end of the day, no one's going to be judging them harshly for um, you know once they kind of move through this journey. Whereas my clients, they have to learn how to be resilient in the face of a fat phobia that they experience every day. So, so that if someone's I, never heard the term fat phobia and she's, they're like, yeah. what is Meredith talking about? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, no, don't be sorry. I just, I just try to keep my listeners in mind and um, just, just to find that really quick. And then I want to, I want to talk more about resilience because I think that's amazing. I love that word. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it, it is pretty much exactly what it sounds like fat phobia. So fear of fat. And, um, we are taught in our society to fear fat above almost everything else. Um, and so, you know, when, when people in smaller bodies still think they need to lose weight, it's because they're afraid of being fat. Um, and, and people who are in larger bodies can develop um, ha- hatred of fat themselves and hatred. So that um, that is what spurs on kind of self-loathing about being in a fat body um, is is bad feelings about themselves for being fat. Like I'm I'm less worthy because I'm fat. I um, I brought this upon myself. Thoughts like that. Um, that are just taught to us by our society. Like we're just swimming in in those ideas. Yeah, and- I I have to say that um, doing this work has helped me uncover and unpack some of the fact that I believe that a lot of my body image issues weren't about things that were directly said to me, but internalized fat phobia of people in my life who I loved that I without even knowing it, you know, you don't, you don't, um, really, you're not really able to verbalize, oh, this is what's going on in my head. But in retrospect, I've realized that my internalized fat phobia made me, made me think I just never, ever want to be that. So even though I'm not now, I'm just going to, you know, do all these things to make sure that I never get there. Cause that's, yes. that seems like it was the worst thing ever. Right. Like that. Yes. So I'm, I'm hearing you and I just, I'm, I'm explaining my own situation, not to talk about me really, but to just help anyone listening, understand that, you know, if you just take a look at how you might've internalized fat phobia, regardless of your body's shape or size, you've, you've internalized that if you've lived in this world. And, and maybe that can shed some light on any struggles you maybe are currently dealing with or have dealt with in the past. 
Yeah, yeah. Consider why, like where those beliefs came from. Like it's not, I want to be clear, it's no one's fault for having these beliefs because they they are indoctrinated in us from a very young age, from before we're able to consent to having these ideas planted in our head, really. Um, so it's no one's fault. But w- when you realize that that's what's going on, it can provide some really useful perspective on like, oh, okay, it's the culture that is making me feel this way. And I have the option to opt out. I don't have to believe that um, fat is something to be feared. There's nothing inherently wrong with being in a bigger body. And sometimes what we were talking about before with the health at every size concepts, realizing that um, that fatness fatness doesn't lead to poorer health like that is that that was that makes it possible for some people to start to fear it less um and uh and also um what am I trying to say uh yeah there's just a lot of concepts on the, on the social justice aspect of of health at every size and fat acceptance that can make it possible to fear it less so I guess that's basically what I'm trying to say and there is such thing as thin privilege, right? So me saying, oh, I've internalized fat phobia and blah, blah. Like, that's just, I, I understand that that's um, a lot easier for me to say, oh, I recognize that. I see how that played out in my life. I can opt out of that type of mentality. I would, I mean, I've only lived in one body and, um, you know, obviously I've only had my own experiences, but in your experience with the people that you work with in your own life experience, do you feel that that opting out is dif- more difficult for a person yeah. in a larger body. I mean, yeah, it is. Because you it don't, is. I don't have to live with the prejudice every day, right? Exactly. It's yeah. it's giving up on diety, dieting when you're larger. I think is it just it's a much bigger leap. It's a much bigger risk to take because um, if you don't have that hope of losing weight anymore, um, you then you have to acknowledge that you may be experiencing these um, these incidents of fat phobia, fat phobia for the rest of your life or until the culture changes, which, you know, those of us working in this field are trying to change it as fast as we possibly can. But realistically, it's going to take a while to change that. Um, you know, part of health at every size is also acknowledging that we don't have any way of helping people intentionally lose weight, you know? So like the fact that dieting can lead to long-term weight loss is a myth. Um, and we all believe it because, you know, like I was able to lose a significant amount of weight for a short period of time, but eventually that weight came back on and that, you know, all the studies about dieting show that people are not able to maintain their, their weight loss for, you know, more than two to five years. So that's, that's part of the picture too. Like part of the work I do with people is helping them realize that and then helping them cope with the emotions that come up as a result, helping them. It's a pretty emotional thing. It is incredibly emotional, yeah. especially in the context of a plus size person who, you know, can't escape um, the micro and macro aggressions about their size that they experience. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's no that's no easy task. Um, so you mentioned something that that's come up before when I have discussed these these cl- topics with my clients. Um, you said when you said something about letting go of hope or there's no hope. That for a lot of people is a sticky spot because mm-hmm. 
you know, the, the no hope thing. I, I yeah, I, I just, that's just hard. It's hard to live without hope for something yeah. that you really truly maybe do want. So how does someone navigate and negotiate? Well, in my heart of hearts, I do hope for, for weight loss, let's say like, yeah. how does, how does a person navigate that? Yeah, I think that's such an excellent question. And I think it helps to kind of piece apart how you want to feel and what you think that losing weight will, like, what you think that will accomplish for you and um, see if you can achieve that in other ways. So, yes, there may be, you know, all of the studies may say that losing weight is not possible, but that doesn't mean that living an awesome life at whatever size you end up at, at the end of your particular journey, doesn't, it doesn't mean that life can't be amazing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, um, you know, either question assumptions of like, a lot of people have things about like, I, well, I can't do that because I'm fat, or I can only do that when I get thin, right? Questioning that. Is that really true? Can you really not have that now? Can you, you know, are you holding yourself back in some artificial way? Um, can you, like I mentioned before, build up resiliency to um, incidents of fat phobia that you experience so that you're, you're less, um, that you, you are less affected by them in the moment and are able to stand firm and, and secure in who you are and that you feel good about yourself? Can you build a community around you of other people who accept others, you know, no matter what size they are and who can support you um, when you have, have struggles with your, with your body positivity or with health at every size concepts, things like that. There's all that. So it's, it's, Yes, you may have to mourn the idea of being in a thinner body. And that is, you know, a significant process and can take time. And, and um, you know, it it's not insignificant. But there you can have hope for all these other awesome things in your life. And, you know, being thin is not the only way to feel good about yourself or to live a great life. Yeah, the topic of weight loss in the health at every size world is like a big, huge taboo. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that it's very hard to talk about because it can be so, um, gimmicky, right? Like the, the word, the phrase weight loss can, you know, prey on vulnerable people, right? So you, you, all you have to say is I have the key to that. I know exactly how to do this for you. And you'll, I mean, people will shell out cash like, like mm -hmm. it's nobody's business. Right. So, um, so I understand the kind of like apprehension of talking about weight loss, um, because, because it is such a tricky issue, but, but if we're being realistic about, you know, what are people Googling? What are people thinking about? What are be people being told by, this society. I know we're trying to change that, but I think, I think it's great that you're willing to, you know, to talk about that and to talk about like, okay, how do we navigate the fact that there really is no scientifically validated method for long-term weight loss? Like, what do we do with that fact um, yeah. on an individual basis? Like, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? How do, how do we do this? Like, I don't, I feel like I'm just talking and talking and not making any sense, but this is just a very difficult issue that I see come up when people 
when people hear these concepts of, of health at every size and they say, okay, this sounds really great. Okay, so so how do I lose weight with this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of like where people tend to go. And so I yeah. think it's I think it's good to kind of get it out in the open and to and to hit it on the head and not dance around it and be be scared to talk about it because people are so used to hearing some type of um, plan or paradigm or whatever you want to call it and then having the you know the punchline be and this is how you lose weight right mm-hmm. and so when it's when it's not really that when it's like well you might gain weight doing this you might stay exactly the same you also might lose weight like I don't know but we're not we're, we're neutral about the results of what happens with your body because we're honoring it fundamentally and trusting that it will do what's right for it with with mm-hmm. this approach does that does that make sense or am i rambling <laughs> no 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 that makes that makes absolute sense and it and it is hard like i you know it is true that in most health at every uh, every size spaces online there are rules against talking about weight loss and things like that and i i believe in those rules in terms of i think that discussing it um, can be really triggering for people who are kind of in that the vulnerable early days of kind of walking this path um, but i also work really hard to hold space for that desire and honor that desire in, in the people that I work with, because like, of course you want to lose weight. Like everything in our society is telling us that you need to lose weight for a variety of reasons, you know, either just media messages or again, in the populations that I serve, um, you know, just personal experience of, you know, of, experiencing microaggressions, experiencing, you know, horrible healthcare and, and people, you know, not taking you seriously or not, not, um, you know, just blaming your fat on all of your health issues, things like that. Right. So I just, I try to, I try to really emphasize to people, like, I get it. Like, I know why you feel this way. It makes perfect sense. It's not your fault that you want this, but also and you don't help need me. to feel ashamed of that, right? Yeah. Like that's another thing that I hear all the time is like, okay, I've learned about these things and they make a bunch of sense, but in my heart of hearts, I still want to lose weight. Yeah. And, but I feel ashamed of myself for that. Like that really right. makes me so sad because this is definitely not intended to like make you feel bad or make you yes, feel ashamed. Exactly. Yeah, so let's, the, I, let's talk about that. Were you in the middle of a thought? I don't want to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I just think, yeah. I think that's actually a really important thing to hit on. This yeah. idea of like, well, what if, you know, what if that's still on my mind? I'm working through it and I feel ashamed of myself or I'm feeling shame as a result of, of that desire or that thought that keeps coming up for me. Um, any, any thoughts on resilience toward, toward that? Yeah. And I, yeah, I I guess what what the thought I was going to add that just reoccurred to me was that it's, it's really unfortunate if people have like almost like negative reactions in response to this movement that are, that is supposed to be, you know, a kind and compassionate one. So I, I, I do agree that, you know, sometimes things, um, those messages can be problematic and actually make things harder for people, which is not, not um, productive. Um, And yeah, in terms of individuals who are experiencing that, again, I would just go back to there. You don't need to feel ashamed of having these thoughts because literally everything in our society is oriented towards reinforcing that message. (laughs) 
everything. So of course you feel that way because you, okay, say you're in a smaller body, like you, you witness people in larger bodies being mistreated. And of course you don't want to be mistreated. Of course you therefore want to be in a smaller body, right? If you're in a larger body, you may have personal experience with your friends or whatever, you know, everyone has seen this happen and wants to avoid it for themselves. So of course, of course you want to be smaller. Um, But then we come back to the reality of, unfortunately, we just don't have a way of making people smaller. And we don't have an immediate way of healing this culture to avoid the root problem, which is really just mistreatment of bad people. (laughs) Right? So, so then it's, it's about um, honoring that desire, and then gradually helping people see that it is, um, it's harming them in the in the long run to to hold that desire and and providing reassurance and um, evidence when helpful slash necessary to help them kind of move move past that desire and see a that it's not necessary to lose weight to live, lead a good life and um, and <laughs> I just forgot my B. <laughs> So That's sorry. okay. I always forget my B. I totally understand how that goes. I do that all the time. Um, so this is great. This is really, really great because I really feel like there is some dissonance for people sometimes when they hear this message and then they're like, okay, well, what does that what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, if I'm not fully aligned or able to totally wrap my head around this. I mean, you and I are having trouble even like defining or talking about it. And we both do this day in, day out. You know, it's just, it's, it. So if a person is feeling like they can't really wrap their head around it the first time they hear about it, great. That's no problem. Sit with that, wrestle with it. Like journal, talk to a therapist, talk to a health at every size oriented um, dietitian or coach or whoever about what you're going through. And it's, it's not a terrible thing to have these thoughts that aren't completely quote unquote in line with the paradigm. It's like, it's all about what's healthy and right for you. And I really believe that if you sit with your thoughts and just be a little bit still and just pay attention to like what's coming up for you. And then when that thought comes up, Where does that lead me, right? So, Mm -hmm. for example, if I'm thinking, I just still, I get all this, but I still have this desire for weight loss. Okay, make sure that that, those shame thoughts just kind of stay away because just, just look at that with curiosity and just say, okay, when I have that thought in my head, how does my day go? Mm-hmm. What do I do? What choices do I make? What do I think about? Do How much do I interact and socialize with people? How willing am I to take that promotion at work? Um, how willing am I to strike up a conversation with someone I don't know? You know, I I would guarantee that most people, if you're being really honest with yourself, when those thoughts of like, okay, I really want to lose weight come up into your brain, you're probably not living the type of life you want to live. That's yeah. really taking over. And that's, that's again, like if we're looking at that whole picture of health, you're probably suffering in, in one way or another, whether that's mm-hmm. socially or mentally um, or sometimes even physically because you're not feeding your body adequately, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so I 
you know, I, I saw someone post about this online recently and they're like, I feel so ashamed that I still have this desire. And I actually reached out and said, like, let's talk because, because and this is what I wanted to say to her. We never ended up being able to talk, but maybe she'll listen to this episode. And, you know, I just wanted to say, like, sit with that take a look at where that leads you and you're allowed to do what's right for you. And, and there's no like one pinprick right method. Like you need to fit into this little tiny box in order to be a good human being, you know, like you can, you can do things that are right for you. I just think that your body is wise. And if you sit with it, you will know what the right thing to do is. And it's okay. If that's a little bit dissonant for a while, it's, it's totally okay. Yeah, easy concept to to wrap your head around. It is, especially when there's so many messages saying, you know, there's this one right and true way. And it's, it's hard for me. Like, I do believe that like, I like 1000% believe that health at every size is, is the best approach for the vast majority of people. But I also recognize that not everyone is, is ready for it yet and, and needs some time to move in that direction. And I think, as you say, it takes a really honest look at, the harm that diet culture and, and the act of dieting has, has done to you as an individual. Um, and, and it, it takes the community being able to accept people who, um, are at various stages of understanding, um, and integrating this into their lives and figuring out whether or not it fits with, with who they are and what their values are and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I just hope that you're not hearing that I'm saying like, I know, like, we talked before we started fil- or, yeah. um, recording, and I know that, like, you mentioned, like, I am, like, fervently, <laughs> like, I believe in health at every size as, as you know, the one true way. <laughs> I don't, that's not your words, but, but that's, <laughs> yeah. like, I just, for me, where I'm coming from and how, and I, I just wanted to be clear that I'm speaking for myself so that, you know, if you share this episode with someone you love and care about, they know where you stand. Um, and I, I, well, I totally love this approach and I think it's amazing. I just fundamentally struggle with the idea of like, this is the answer because I feel like when you think that you have the answer, you get into this like moral high ground situation where you kind of feel like, oh, like I've got it all figured out figured out. I'm so like above you. I'm so past where you are. And I just, I feel like that type of, that just doesn't help anybody to, to yes. do that. And I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of create some space for, for people along the spectrum. And I, I personally do believe that most people will come to, okay, when I let go of these things, my life is so much better. Yeah. And when I pursue yeah. health in a way that's right for me, I find a really nice groove and I, I believe that too. I just, I just kind of struggle with uh, the moral high grounds idea that can sometimes come along with like, Oh, I've got things all figured out. You know, I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of that. Like, I think it's really easy for people to get self-righteous uh, about these yeah. ideas yeah. and, and to feel like, you know, they're, they're better than others or that they have the one true way. And I, igno- I acknowledge that, like that, that does pop up in the health at every size community. Absolutely. Um, I feel like a lot of the way it pops up, at least the way I've seen it is people, um, 
feel like it's more around the labeling of things and people having strong beliefs about like how do you define health at every size and if you are if you choose another path like that's absolutely well and good and you have you know complete autonomy to do whatever works best for you but but don't also try to say that that is health at every size or intuitive eating or body positivity or you know i feel like a lot of the conflict that sometimes comes up is around naming things and and saying like this is this is what we define things as yeah and and that's it's fascinating because i mean that's just the nature of language right like it's so difficult to um encapsulate such a rich and deep and meaningful approach that has so much nuance yes um in in a phrase you know and so yeah like one people hear one person might hear health at every size and and interpret it that way like one certain way because maybe they don't really understand it or look into it or really realize what 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 it is and then another person might kind of co-opt the term because they know it's kind of yeah. trendy and popular and say oh this will get people to buy my such and such product right and so i get i get the policing around the labeling because there is sort of like a an aspect of like i want this to remain pure and i want this to remain like like good and wholesome um it, it's just it's a fascinating kind of thing to observe. If, if we all take a step back and just observe what's mm-hmm. going on right now, it's fascinating. Like just just non-judgmentally, just look at it, and it's it's really super interesting. I see a lot of um, I see a lot of like tribalism going on, and sort of like policing of the borders, and who's in and who's out, and what are our um, what are our signs of of who we can take in and what are the signs of the people who are like, Ooh, we really don't want a part of this. And I, I just, I just, I don't have a judgment about that. I just think that that's really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Do you see that too? I do. Yeah, I, I definitely, and I think it is a fascinating social dynamic and I think it's people trying to, yeah, protect this thing that they believe in um, so fully and, and trying to make sure that, that, others don't get the wrong idea about it but it's so easy to get the wrong idea about health at every size from so many different even just from the name you know and I've talked about this before like you know the name sounds like it is um claiming that all people are equally healthy no matter what like you know above all else it also sounds that it is you know saying that health is like a, a really important thing that is, you know, must be strived for. Um, like it's there's just so many ways to kind of get the wrong idea because as you, you know, pointed out, it's super complex and nuanced at the end of the day. I just think of the paradigm as being like my ability to trust my body to lead the way and um, love it. Yeah. And it's just at the, at the, really at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's just me listening, asking my body, what do I want? What do I need? How can I treat you well? Um, and and yeah, without all this other construction around it from the community, like that's what it boils down to Love for it. me personally. Thanks yeah. for that, Meredith. That's that's yeah. a beautiful way to boil it down. I'm I'm big fan of boiling things down <laughs> whenever possible. <laughs> um, so wanted to ask you about this because we both are in the uh, role of helping others to. Um, navigate their own journeys, right? So I really kind of feel like my approach with with the people that I work with is that they're the expert 
and I'm I'm not. I'm I'm an expert in various as in various arenas, and I'm my own expert of my own body. But I really like to approach people with that type of um, mentality. And so I think I'm I'm kind of pinpointing. I think that that's where I just kind of push back a tiny bit on on the idea that like I don't want people to feel like I'm steering them or like I have a different goal in mind than they do about um, where they want to wind up with with their health. And so I do find that most people, when you introduce them to this concept and kind of let them sit with it, and like we were kind of talking about earlier, I really do think that most people find that this is the direction that they want to go. But again, um, I just, I don't want to feel like I am preaching at someone or I am, mm-hmm. you know, let me educate you, dumb person, about your own body. Like I just, I just try to avoid that. And so I think that's one of kind of the arenas that I'm coming from is, is approaching my clients in that way. But <clears throat> what do you think about that? Yeah, no. And I absolutely, I do the same thing as well. Like everything that I do is, is co-created with that client that I'm in session with. And they are absolutely the experts on their own bodies and their own experiences. And, and what I try to do is just provide, um, valuable information that they can consider and then take that on however they want to or feel ready to or or anything like that you know like I might share information that you know actually it's been shown that that restricting can lead to uh to binging and you know what's your experience with that you know right they might even have that in their experience yeah 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 and say like does that ring true for you let's talk about that and you know it always comes back to to their experience and and trying to you know combine some of the knowledge I've gained through personal experience as well as you know professional training with their um, with their experience and knowledge and what feels right for them and like using that to, to help them find the way that works best for them. I definitely don't believe in, um, in pushing anything on anyone, but my, my other, my experience is with, with clients, um, thus far that when I share these, these things, they, they do tend to ring really true. And then from there, it's just dealing with any, um, remaining ambivalence, or um, holding space for all those emotions that are coming up um, around, like, what what if these things are true? What does that mean? Same things we, ta- we talked about earlier. Um, uh, you know, supporting them in, in learning intuitive eating, if that's something they're interested in, supporting them with the concepts of my body is, is fabulous just the way it is and I don't need to change it. Um, yeah, when I introduce those concepts, I find that most people are like, okay, even if I'm not quite there, I want that, (laughs) you know, as in like it, it, it's such a, it's such a compassionate, intuitive approach that really helps people come back to themselves instead of having all these rules and this shame and this guilt, um, as you know, using those as a motivator, I think most people realize like, isn't working well for them. So yeah, no, I totally, I totally get get what you're saying and it does need to be um driven by our clients and 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 their beliefs and where they're at needs to be honored at all times above all (laughs) yeah and and that's sometimes the difference between a podcast interview 
versus an actual client session. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I like to sort of help people, you know, a lot of my potential clients or even past clients or current clients listen to my podcast. And, and I always try to make my podcast an extension of, of who I am. And I'm sure you feel the same way with, with being on a podcast. And so I just thought it was important to kind of help people understand that there might be a slight difference between talking about health at every size and what it means and how to implement it and the powerful, um, the powerful principles that it can can really really enhance and improve your life versus that that individual who might be hearing this for the first time and just thinking like whoa that's so much to wrap my head around what mm-hmm. if i'm not there oh i feel like a terrible person because i'm not there that's seriously 100% not the goal you know no, and i no. i see enough of that sentiment sentiment that i just wanted to just take a little second to talk about that. So I hope yeah, that's okay. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So what else do you want to add uh, like about what we've been talking about today or, um, or summarize or anything we've left out? Anything we've left out? Um, well, one thing, uh, that we could, uh, talk briefly about is, um, body positivity and, and where larger people are fitting in the body positivity Please, movement right now. I would now. love to hear you say talk about that. Yeah, because um, I think what's happened, and others have spoken about this before. This is not, you know, my <laughs> brand new thought or idea, but I think it's I think it's really valuable to talk about that um, body positivity has really gone more mainstream in the last year or two, and you know we're at the point where like a lot of brands are like, you know, really touting body positivity in their marketing, and a lot of people are getting on board. And I think the one thing that some people are are missing as they enter the body positivity movement is this historical understanding that the body positivity movement kind of grew out of the fat acceptance movement. And that's something I really like to emphasize because what ends up happening is that sometimes the body positivity movement has increasingly become focused on um, either very small women or people who are acceptably curvy. (laughs) And I just wanted to point out that like the whole point of what we're doing um, in this movement is aiming towards accepting people of all sizes and recognizing restoring dignity and respect to people of all sizes up to like the largest person in the entire world, you know? Um, And I just, I wanted to share that because I think it can become really easy, you know, based on all of the media out there to to be like, Oh yeah, I can totally accept, um, you know, someone who's a size 16 and hourglass shape, but really um, my goal as, as a practitioner and activist is to help people um, learn to accept people of all sizes and shapes and not have kind of a limit on, on what is acceptable. And to not have a limit of who deserves dignity and respect. Exactly. I mean, I would encourage anyone listening, no matter who you are to just take an honest look at your own prejudices about size and to, to 
sit with that and to see what you can do to work through it. Yeah. Because it's it's there. It's got to be. You know, we live yeah. in this in this world. And I think that that's a really, really important point that you bring up about sort of a lot of people have um, gotten wind of body positivity. Maybe they follow certain people on social media and they're like, yeah, I can get behind that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and it's a softer term than fat acceptance, right? I mean, fat acceptance is like, oh, jarring for some people. They might be like, what does mm-hmm. that mean? And, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds scary, you know, mm-hmm. um, versus body positivity is like, oh, cool. Yeah. Kumbaya. Like we love that. That sounds great. Um, and it can also be co-opted to, to sell weight loss things, right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. I mean, totally. yeah, a whole other issue. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it's, these these words and this does definitely tie into what we've been talking about today these words are are very tricky to understand these phrases and i think understanding the history is an important component of understanding where we are right now in this moment and to to take a look at that and to recognize that i think is is key to be able to truly embrace these concepts and do what we're trying what we're trying to do in the end is change the way that our culture works which i know is like pfft, hello the hugest goal ever and <laughs> you know um but, but we it's really, happening yeah it i think it is yeah tell what do you what makes you say it's happening i'd love to hear what you think about that yeah no i i do see changes happening i mean like this is maybe a silly example but you know i was watching project one way last night you know and this season they have models from size 2 to 22 do i wish that was more like 32 yes <laughs> But, um, but that's you know, definitely it is, it's seeping progress. in. It is progress. And I, you know, I'm seeing like these high up people in the fashion industry saying like, Oh, it's so great that we're including people of all sizes. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's made it pot over the last three years, I would say there's been an explosion in the number of options of plus size clothes, clothing available, um, for people. And that, that is a real thing that makes a really positive, significant difference in people's lives. Like if like, for the longest time, like I felt like I couldn't express myself because there were no clothes available that helped me express my personality. And that is improving, you know, you know, every month it gets a little bit better. So no, I I do think like, I know it's, it's huge to think about changing this culture and there's no doubt that we have a long way to go, but progress is being made and it is making lives better. Well, gosh, let's end on that positive note. (laughs) That's so great. I love hearing that. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to know if because I'm in this space, if I feel like things are changing or Mm -hmm. if I was a regular person, if I would feel that same way. So it's good to hear your perspective on it, too, because I feel the same way. I feel like people are talking about this more. I feel like people are more aware. I feel like there's more people, um, you know, coming out as, hey. I am who I am and like, take me or leave me, but I love yeah. myself. Like there's a lot more of that going on. And I, I think that that's really, really encouraging. Yeah. And it takes each of us, like the culture is made up of all of us as individuals. So that each, t- each time an individual makes a choice to kind of opt out of diet culture, like that is changing the culture drip by drip by drip. Oh, love it. Cause that can feel so overwhelming and huge and silly almost as a goal to say like let's change this culture but but you're right like each and every person that opts out um you know 
that makes a difference just in and of itself. And then the people that they interact with see that. Yeah. Yeah. And are like, oh, maybe there is another way. And that's really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great thought. You're awesome. That was, I love that. <laughs> that's like so hopeful. Um, that's a good way. That's a good way to kind of put it. So I am thanks hopeful. For that. And that's why I do this work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to accelerate the pace of that progress as much as possible. And I, I think of my work as being, yes, I'm supporting individuals in healing their wounds that have been inflicted by diet culture and fat phobia and all, you know, this world that we're swimming in. Um, but I also think it's my responsibility to, to help heal the culture more broadly. I, um, I, I totally resonate with that. That's what this podcast is for me is, um, an effort at providing conversations that people can learn from who, you know, no matter who you are and no matter, you know, this doesn't cost any money to listen to. So, um, yeah, this is my effort to provide that for people at large too. And so I'm really grateful for people like you who are willing to come on and express your 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 thoughts and your story and your wisdom. It's just so meaningful and so lovely. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you. And it's been a it's been a honor and a pleasure to to have this conversation with you as well. Great. Well, before we go, I want to make sure we take a minute to talk about you and your work and how people can get in touch with you and follow you. So just take a minute to talk about that. Yeah, so my company is called Made on a Generous Plan. Um, and the name actually came from, of all places, a 19th century etiquette book from this beautiful piece of prose. And maybe I'll just read it because I just find it so beautiful. It's, um, if you've been made on a generous plan, you have qualities that littleness can never possess. Who with any authority has said that slender persons are of the best type? Only carry yourself well, be reposeful and stately with a brain that sits supremely on the throne of your being, and you may come into your kingdom of power and love. So That's when I awesome. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that is going to be my company because it's not again, I want to emphasize it's not about putting down people in smaller bodies. It's about raising people in larger bodies up to even footing, which is, which is all that, that's the main mission. It benefits us all when, when that happens. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like we're all swimming in this culture together. And again, it's no one's fault. It's just, you know, the more we learn, we can, we can decide to opt out. So, so yeah, um, my, uh, I, right now I work exclusively just one-on-one with people in, in coaching sessions, but I'm hoping to launch some group programs and other options for people moving forward. If people are uh, interested in learning more about my work, you can go to generousplan.com. And um, while you're there, you can also, I created a plus size food and body piece beginner's guide that people can get for free if they want, which is um, this uh, 23 page kind of ebook that I created that it just introduces people more to these concepts about diet culture and kind of lays out a vision for, for what life can be like if you decide to opt out of this culture. So you can get that at generousplan.com slash free guide. Okay, what about social media? Yeah, social media. I'm I'm very active on Instagram, and I I try to I post a lot of like body positive art and other things there. So I'm made on a generous plan there, and then um, I'm also really active on Facebook. So you can search for made on a generous plan there, and you'll find me there. 
Perfect. Well, this has been really fun for me. I hope I hope it was fun for you. I know I asked some tough questions, but I'm I'm grateful that we're able to have that conversation because I think I think it helps people in the end when we when we just hit hit on those issues like we did. So I appreciate that. No, I appreciate the the open and honest conversation about that too. I think, you know, we there are, you know, there are growing pains, there are struggles and things that we're going through right now and and we can't get through them unless we just talk about them and yeah, share ideas and thoughts. So like I any really- other family, right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well awesome. Thanks so much, Meredith. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Likewise, thank you. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you soon for another episode.